This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And there's a car that fell through the ice, and, um, and there's all this ice fishing equipment coming out. And all of a sudden, um, a child's body floated up and uh, wearing the exact same snowsuit as my son had at the exact same age at the time. That's Mike Wass, firefighter for 20 years, and this is just a fraction of what men and women like him encounter on a daily basis. What's being done to help the physical and most of all, the mental well-being of these brave men and women? We'll discuss it all and hear the roller coaster conclusion of his story in this week's episode of Rigs Off the Radio. It's Mental Health Monday. Let's go. Mental Health Monday is an informational podcast and should not be used to replace the specialized training and professional judgment of a healthcare or mental health care professional. Mental Health Monday can't be held responsible for the use of the information provided. Please always consult a trained mental health professional before making any decision regarding treatment of yourself or others. Self-help information and podcasts and information on the internet is useful, but not always the substitute for professional assistance. Unless otherwise noted, guests of Mental Health Monday are not doctors or licensed in any way. Our hope is to make a connection with you and be more open and honest about everyone's mental health. Enjoy the podcast. Hi, I'm Riggs. Welcome to my podcast, Riggs Off the Radio. It's Mental Health Monday. And look at the calendar. It's May, Mental Health Awareness Month. That sound means it's either time to pull over and let the fire truck go by, or it's a sigh of relief because they have just showed up to your house. When you call the fire department, you just want help. You don't consider their mental well-being or what they may have been through on that particular day. Long hours and demanding conditions can put a huge mental strain on any first responder. Mike Wass knows this all too well. He's been a firefighter for 20 years, and he's now the executive director of the Professional Firefighters of Wisconsin Charitable Foundation. We'll find out what they do to help our brave men and women who put their lives on the line, not only helping them physically, but also helping them mentally. And we'll talk about their mental health initiatives and how they use the expertise of our friends at Rogers Behavioral Health. Mike, first of all, tell us what you do with the Professional Firefighters of Wisconsin Charitable Foundation. Uh, we try to serve as champions for burn survivors, firefighters, and safe communities all across the state. Okay. So everything's broken in down to four areas of programming. We've got burn survivor support, fire prevention and safety, firefighter support, and community support. Yeah. So mainly we're talking about our firefighter support program and a little bit on our community support program. We help firefighters so they can better serve their communities. Uh, firefighters see pe- people on the worst day of their lives, and yeah. when people are at their worst, we have to have our firefighters at their best. So the goal of our um, firefighter support program is to serve our firefighters so they can better serve their communities. Yeah. But we focus on providing disaster assistance, providing immediately uh, immediate assistance to firefighters and their families, uh, 
on you know the worst days of their lives. We support our state honor guard, you know, rendering tribute to our, our fallen brothers and sisters. We support this uh, state firefighters memorial, and more and more we're focusing on the health and safety of our firefighters. So there's a number of programs that we're involved with, uh, one of which is the Fire and EMS Health and Safety Collaborative. A part of our strategic plan, the three C's of uh, communities, coalitions, and common sense. But the goal of the mental health program is to measurably improve the mental health of firefighters through strengthening some of our existing uh, services, standardizing our uh, certification process, uh, so the peer support uh, that we're providing around the state is consistent, and stomping out stigma, something I know you've talked a lot about. Absolutely. Uh, Not only among our firefighters, but around uh, communities all throughout the state. And we're creating overall awareness for uh, firefighter mental health issues, both within our departments across the state and within our communities. Yeah. Recently, uh, this is going back uh, December 2020 through like January 2021, uh, in consultation with Rogers Behavioral Health, we created a 32-question survey that was sent out to, uh, well, every uh, fire department. There's 835 fire departments in the state. The whole state? Cool. The whole state. Good. Um, roughly 29,000 firefighters, we think. Okay. And we also tried to reach uh, all EMS workers. So there's some overlap there, but there's about 17,000, I believe, uh, licensed EMS workers in the state. Uh, We got a pretty good response. Uh, The goal was more to establish a baseline. Uh, These uh, survey questions uh, had to do with basic demographic information, you know, uh, age, race, sex, you know, um, those type of things. Rank, if they're full-time, if they're volunteer, if they provide fire service only, EMS only. But the cool part about working with Rogers is they included a um, basic psychological screening for depression, anxiety, and overall... um, Stress, I guess you would say? Yeah, um, distress. Um, So the results were alarming. You know, we know we have sleep problems, you know, interrupted sleep and shift work. You know, that's pretty common. Do you guys do 24 on... Is it 24 uh, hours or 36? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I'm still a full-time firefighter paramedic in Oshkosh where we're uh, 24 on, 48 off. Okay. That's uh, called the Chicago uh, program. Yeah. Uh, they also have a California that's uh, 24 on, 24 off, 24 off for like a two-week cycle, and you have like third week off, so you okay. have a four-day break there. Others which are gaining more popular uh, popularity in our state is this uh, 4896, so 48 hours on duty, um, followed by 96 hours or four days off. Yeah. What's yeah. the biggest struggle for you personally being a firefighter? Like, is it, the, is it the anxiety of showing up and not knowing what's happening? Is it carrying that home and trying to unplug when you get home? What's, what's the most difficult part for you personally? Well, um, there, there's a lot of different stresses. I, I started very young in this job when I was yeah. 17. Um, so I think I was very fortunate to do that. I had a lot of good mentors and people around me. Um, you know, pursued you know, EMS and went to paramedic school early, worked in the, the emergency room at the, the trauma center at Freighter. And, uh, you know, I saw a lot of horrific things, you know, especially working in the trauma center. I think yeah. my, my first day on the job, they landed six helicopters to uh, the trauma room. And it was, it was, it was unbelievable. That's but, the fight for life, flight for life yeah, stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but I saw these surgeons, these emergency room doctors, and they do this every day, multiple times a day. And yeah. I was like, you know, how do they cope? You know, what, what, what kind of behaviors they do and I so I tried to you know learn from these processes not to dramatize and kind of block some of it out you know yeah you did the best you could you know this is what you could have done better next time and, and learn from it so I've done pretty good throughout my career with um 
you know, the mental health piece and the yeah. critical incident stress, but there's, there's things that stick with you. Um, but getting back to your, you know, original question is, uh, I think taking it home, I think there's not a lot of outlet, you know, for firefighters to talk mm-hmm. about, you know, there is stigma. Uh, a big part of our survey uh, was that, uh, firefighters were overwhelmingly, um, said that they'd recommend somebody, uh, a fellow firefighter to go get help. Yeah. Uh, but they would not go seek help themselves. Interesting. Yeah, it really was interesting. And another thing, uh, this partnership uh, with Rogers, they took this data and they broke it down even further by demographic. If you answered this question this way, that you're, you know, they were able to group those people together. Sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. So the people that said they would not go help for themselves um, also said that they thought it was a sign of weakness. So stigma is real. Yeah. You know, Stomp out uh, stigma is uh, some, uh, you know, kind of a national campaign we were doing the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. It is real, uh, and we need to, to know what to do about it. Uh, I think one of your previous guests said that, you know, the first step in identifying a problem is acknowledging that there is one. Well, mm-hmm. we know there's a problem. Yeah. This survey established a baseline for us, and yeah. we know, you know, enhancing these current uh, programs, you know, hopefully when we repeat this every December, we will have a you know, measurable result over time. Yeah. Um, so we're pretty excited uh, that this is going in the right direction and having a, a partner like Rogers where this is um, more uh, clinically significant, you know, not this isn't, you know, doctor level research, but yeah. it, it's not the media. It's not the firefighters doing this. You know, we have a partner that makes this data more credible and consistent. And there's more science behind it. So, sure. Uh, really excited about that. But, um, is there talk of reaching out to those guys that say that they would recommend help but not seek help? And do they kind of maybe go towards those guys and kind of give them the help first? Well, the, the, the first part of the survey is that it's confidential. Okay. Uh, which has some, some drawbacks. It does, yeah. Um, I mean, namely, um, 63 people, firefighters, EMS workers across our state, had active thoughts of taking their own life. Wow. Uh, so... The, we know that's really uh, significant. We know um, through the Firefighter Behavioral Health Alliance, uh, Jeff Dill out of uh, Illinois, which uh, recently took a job uh, helping uh, yeah. uh, Las Vegas Fire Department uh, with their mental health issues, actually added a staff position in Las Vegas to help their members with uh, um, you know mental health issues. We see a lot. We see. We talk with. I've talked with uh, suicide prevention and law enforcement, and it's often said that police officers are more likely to die by their own hand than in the line of duty. Is that something similar that you've witnessed, maybe yourself personally, or know about in the firefighter community as far as suicide rates? And yeah, that was kind of um, anecdotally throughout my career. Um, I, I think firefighter suicides are underreported. I mean, this has been proved by some organizations that are now creating a national database and an anonymous reporting for uh, suicides. And the the reasons why we haven't really drilled down, I mean, I believe that, you know, there may, we have a good working relationship with law enforcement, you know, um, you know, there may be, you know, with coroners around the state. So there may be. Um, or they're maybe saying it's, report, an, it's an accident. Yeah, it's something, unknown. Something you know, happened. Yeah. It's heart related. You know, not self inflicted. Um, which is kind of strange. I and mean, we've seen a couple this year that were kind of like, oh, you know, this is mysterious. This was uh, not an on duty death, but this was an active duty death. You know, we've set up fundraisers and help families, but you know, the, the circumstances you don't have a lot of details. That and you kind of learn later that like, yeah, we we think it was probably a suicide. Yeah. 
Do you have support for the families at home as well? Because I know you guys deal with a lot as firefighters, but your families, I mean, your wives, your husbands, your children are also dealing with your stress when you come home as well. That, that's a big part of the the awareness piece, you yeah. know, that internal and external, uh, you know, in the firehouse, but in our own, own homes too. Yeah. Uh, some members across the state are trying to bring this into like the recruit academies, into the entry level training where, you know, bring your spouse, you know, here's a little training for your spouse or your, you know, your loved ones, your kids, your family that, you know, these are the things, you know, when, when dad seems off today or mom seems off today, you know, this is what they may be thinking about. Yeah. And I, I've experienced things like that, you know, throughout my life. Um, you know, not really a great storyteller, but I remember uh, I was on the um, I was on the dive team. I've become a little too buoyant over the years to, to dive. It's all right, but uh, it's hard to get you down now. Yeah, kind of float around, right? <laughs> but uh, I was on a dive team, and now oh, this is going back. Uh, I don't know, maybe five, six years ago. Uh, I was finished my shift. I woke up in the morning. I heard a call for the dive team out on the the lake, and you know, I was already relieved, but. They didn't have the morning conference call. We didn't really know who was working, what divers we had working where and whatnot. So I decided to just, you know, on my way home, drive down there. And they actually, you know, needed a diver. So I quick, you know, got the stuff up, became the safety diver. And I headed out. We were going out on the lake. Out on the lake, we were about a mile and a half out. Yeah. And there was a, a car that fell through the ice and um, started diving. And there's all this ice fishing equipment coming out and whatnot. And uh, all of a sudden, um, a child's body floated up oh my gosh and uh wearing the exact same snowsuit as my son had at the exact same age at the time i remember you know pulling them and grabbing them and you know being that far out in the lake isn't something we usually train for and you know um realizing that in the survival suits um nobody had access to their hands and being in a, a diver um you know i had gloves so i could remove side so access to my hands so i went from being a safety diver to patient care yeah you know, so, you know, we did CPR, pushed hard and fast and, you know, got them, you know, back to shore and handed off to EMS and, you know, really did the, the, the best we could, you know, try to get in the defib pads on and everything and seeing the heart rhythm. But, you know, it was hard because it was a, a bumpy ride and we were just focusing on high quality CPR and the th- hypothermia protocol and yeah. whatnot and, you know, did the best we could. Um, but that's just one day and you've been doing this right. for 20 years. Right. How many things like that have you seen over your life? Oh. And how many how many are these other men and women seeing yeah, uh, every tons. day? Every day. Tons. And, you know, and my stories you know, are nothing compared to you know, some of the guys out there I mean, that really struggle with things. And um, you know, I've seen a lot worse. You know, I, you know, there, there's a lot I've been involved with, but I know yeah. everybody handles it different. Too. Is there any sort of debriefing after you witness something like that? Uh, it, it seems to be usually offered. Um, Good. Yeah, yeah, but you know, just kind of an emotional roller coaster. I remember, um, you know, going home because it was my my day off after that call, and getting a call on my way home from uh, the duty chief. It says, "Hey, you know, they got a pulse back at the hospital. Looks like, looks like that was a save." I'm like, "Well, wow, that's incredible!" And I was I was just you know so excited. I called my wife. I'm like, "Hey, you know those iPhones we want? We're gonna go get them." And I was at Best Buy. And I'm nice, like, you know, um, over by Mayfair there, and went and got the new iPhones and coming out and I got home and we're unpacking the iPhones. And I get another call and it's like, uh, they were transferring them to the children's and you know, he didn't make it, you know, he arrested again. They never got a pulse oh. back. So it was just an emotional roller coaster. I and, bet. And, uh, you know, I just went on one right now. I was like, oh, I made it. No, yeah. I didn't. Oh man. 
God. Yeah. So that that stuff. But like, like I said, it always helped me to kind of not dramatize, look at the facts, you know, try to make it a learning experience of like, hey, if I ever encounter this again, what would we do better? Yeah. Um, and, and that's helped. And I, I got that from a lot of good mentors. Are there any other things uh, we talked, I think, right before we we're recording about a bill called SB 11, which basically helped uh, first responders get psychological help if they needed it and they didn't have to have proof of a physical injury? They can now go with a mental injury because I think you're a lot more mentally injured than you are physically injured right. on the job. And what else do you guys do as far as advocacy? And are there other things that are holding you back mentally, like with mental health wise within the system? Yeah. Um, well, I'd probably start by saying my role in the charitable foundation. One thing we really try to do is keep the politics out of the charitable foundation per sure. se. Yeah. Um, but the professional firefighters, of Wisconsin, the Wisconsin state chiefs association, uh, professional police association, mm-hmm. uh, all have been lobbied on. We participated in lobby days. You know, I, I yeah. volunteered and met with our uh, legislators, actually Representative Cody Horlacher right here in McGuanago as mm-hmm. uh, one of the co-sponsors of the bill. Yeah. And uh, that was really successful because that, that's an issue. Um, another big part of the survey is we surveyed um, that piece specifically. Uh, the Employee Assistance Program, uh, the PFFW, Professional Firefighters of Wisconsin, we have the Member Assistance Program or MAP team. Uh-huh. So trained members throughout the state that can be reached out to at any time confidential, uh, confidential um, for peer support. Because that's one of the things that um, first responders, military, is that peer support. Somebody that can you can relate to. Somebody uh, that's walked the same yeah. line as you have, they get it. They, yeah. can, they can empathize rather than just sit and go, uh-huh, uh-huh, sure. They actually know. Yeah, to, for so, so for some small um, part, uh, they were able to compare the success of like the member assistance program to like a EAP program or yeah. um, other outside counseling, and they found it um, more uh, successful than other uh, treatment options out there. So yeah. we were kind of able to prove what we kind of already know yeah. again with the survey so you know now we're trying to standardize the um the training you know um trying to either get a virtual or standardize a course with you know a number of hours that can kind of bring everybody up to the same level so it's consistent uh also bringing training into department you know these are the the warning signs mm-hmm. you know if somebody's ex- exhibiting you know kind of withdrawn behavior ask the question yeah you know are you thinking about harming yourself you know, and then if they are, you know, you don't leave that person's side until they get help. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think that's one of the important things. Uh, you know, stigma. I mean, you when you that? ask somebody if they're okay, yeah. you know, um, are you implying that they're not okay? Exactly, yeah. yeah. But I'm glad that you're treating the training to ask the question about suicide because yeah. sometimes you have to ask that question point blank. Right. And research has shown time and time again you're not planning that idea in their head. Right. You're probably relieving pressure and they can talk about it and flush it out, right. which is great. How do you guys deal with the burnout? Because you've got to get burnt out for like, pardon the pun, your firefighters, but in the 24-hour shifts and then just such long shifts and the stress, how do you deal with the burnout? Are there times for self-care that you can do? Like what, what do you do personally? to deal with that well um that's it's an issue um there i I think taking time for yourself you know something i know you talk about a lot uh is important um you know whether it's a craft a hobby lifting weights um fishing fishing hunting skydiving (laughs) you know just going out with the guys you know events i mean i I find a lot of satisfaction in the work i do with the charitable foundation and that's that's kind of my outlet yeah. You know, and actually that's how I started, you know, with our, our burn camp getting involved and getting other guys involved and providing meals and fundraisers and 
you know, I was asked to sit on the board of directors and, you know, never expected I'd be here. Yeah. Well, this is great. I love the program that you're doing. It sounds like you guys are on a great path for mental health with your firefighters and men and women that are, you know, they're, they're the fun ones people think about sometimes. They're like, oh, you get to show up and take cats out of trees and save burning buildings. But I think there's a lot more behind it. Yeah, there is. And actually to get back to your last question, I kind of went off on a tangent there. Sure. Um, Reasonable expectations is, I think, a big part of it. Uh, when firefighters come into this, you know, not not every department is uh, FDNY or, you know, Milwaukee. Um, you know, there's a lot of, for every one fire you have, you have 10 false alarms. Mm-hmm. Or, or you know, somebody calling for a cut finger at 3 in the morning. The interrupted sleep, it, it just wears at you. Uh, yeah. Over and over again. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think reasonable expectations, knowing that that's part of the job yeah uh you know acknowledging that you know you work on those issues uh you know on the other side of the the table with with management and our coalition partners there um you know uh, for example like falls are the number one uh call uh ems is sent to across when people when people People fall actually fall down yeah and there's tons of frustrating things there to you know wake up at three in the morning just to you know pick somebody up from a nursing home and put them back in bed right you know so working with facilities you know different ordinances you know uh, other means uh, of lifting people um you know that that's all all part of it and i, I think that getting back to your original question about the the biggest thing to deal with it it almost seems like there's a lot of uh, cumulative stress and that's a lot of what they, they talked about in sb11 but you know sometimes it just feels like they're putting a grain of sand in your backpack every day every day something and, added to it yeah yeah and you know whether it's you know you know, it could be anything, you know, and then you have all the struggles at home too. You're missing holidays, birth, you know, things mm-hmm. like that with, with all kinds of shift work. But I bet it is. Yeah. yeah. Have you, um, have you yourself ever sought out like professional help? Have you gone to that point where you felt like you'd need to maybe sit down and talk to somebody? Well, I was actually saving that for your last question. Really? Yeah. Go ahead. Um, but, uh, yeah, I actually had a really great candid conversation with my wife and, uh, I think, you know, in, in anticipation of our interview here today and all the other work we're doing with mental health around the state, it's like, hey, maybe maybe I should try it too. Yeah. You know? Practice what you're preaching. Yeah. Right? I mean, there's nobody that you know, I've ever talked to that said it wasn't beneficial in, in one way or another. Oh, my God. It's, such a, it's so great. I think yeah. if everybody sees a therapist every once in a while, and you don't have to be in complete, like a breakdown moment of trauma to see one either. Just yeah. someone to flush things out with. So May 12th. May 12th. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. I'm excited about that. Like it, it really warms my heart when, cause you're not, you're a, you're a hard headed guy. I mean, you seem like yeah. you, you know, you're very, not in a bad way. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you put on a good face, like, yeah. and you have to do that with your job and it's hard to be vulnerable, especially as a man and especially in a position where you're called on and you're expected to perform it perfectly every time yeah. you, there's no room for error when you're coming in and saving someone's life. So being able to be vulnerable, that's such a good thing. And I'm so, I'm, I'm proud of you. I mean, I want to hug you right now. <laughs> that's a good, that's a great thing. And then you can then relay that to your people below you and say, well, look, this is working for me Yeah, and it can work for you leading yeah. by example, which is yeah. the way to do it. And I, I think that was a step, but you know, actually accepting it too. Mm-hmm. You know, what, uh, what's the old, uh, joke, you know, how many psychologists does it take to screw in a light bulb? I don't know. One, but the light bulb really wants to change. (laughs) It really has to want to change. Yeah, it does. That's all right. That's all right. Totally get that. Man, that's good. That was was like the answer I was looking for. Is that where you're saving it for the end? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
That's good. Well, Michael, thank you so much for, for the work, Mike. I really appreciate you sitting down and talking to us. How can people reach out to you if they wanted to support the organization uh, locally? Yeah, uh, firefightersfoundationwi.org or pffwcf.org. Yeah, I'll put um, the link in the in the description of this podcast as well. So. Yeah, uh, call our uh, Madison office, 608-630-8440. And uh, yeah, we're, we're there for burn survivors, firefighters, and communities. There's a lot, awesome. lot we offer. Well, thanks for taking care of your own. Thanks for taking care of yourself too, because you matter as well. And appreciate your service and everything you've done. And and God bless you guys and all you do. Really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks again to Mike Wass and all the brave men and women who put their lives on the line. Something I certainly couldn't do. But it is a good feeling to know that when the fire department shows up, we've got organizations out there like Mike's to make sure that they're supported on the job, off the job, physically and mentally. Thank you for listening to another Rigs Off the Radio podcast on a Mental Health Monday. Do me a favor if you're still listening. A, God bless you, you're awesome. And B, kick me a nice review in the App Store, would you? It's nice to know that people are listening and getting something out of these podcasts. Enjoy the rest of your day, your afternoon, your night, your weekend, whatever it is you happen to be doing. Until next time, make good life decisions, all right?